Welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. This week's quote comes from Dr. Brett Scherr. 50 to 80% of all heart attacks are preventable. Welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Azadi. You can learn more over at youtube.com slash ketocamp. On today's episode, I'm going to share with you Dr. Brett Schur, who is a board-certified cardiologist who followed the conventional approach to cardiology for many, many years until he realized that he's doing things the wrong way. And on this episode, he's going to share why there is so much confusion out there. Let's face it. If you go on Dr. Google today, right now, and you type in, is the keto diet healthy? Is the vegan diet healthy? You're going to see so much conflicting information from credible sources, right? It's going to feel like a fire hose just being sprayed at your face. So how do you know what's the right information for you? So what he's going to share on this episode, he's going to pick apart some studies and really break it down for you. And he's going to give an example of a prominent cardiologist who is a vegan cardiologist, Dr. Kim Williams, and the problem with the things he promotes. And it's going to be very enlightening if you're somebody who's confused about all this stuff, about all the propaganda out there when it comes to the vegan diet and the keto diet and these documentaries like What the Health. This is going to be a great episode for you to get clear on some things. So I'll share him in a second. I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the world's healthiest olive oil, which is the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. I get my olive oil bottles delivered to me every single month and they're hand-picked from different parts all across the world, Chile, Europe. This olive oil is organic, it's delicious, and it is my favorite cooking oil, salad dressing oil. I love it, I love it. This is how you know if your olive oil is good or not because most of the stuff in the grocery store on the shelf is already rancid before you even use it. If you do the olive oil test, which is grab a spoon and consume a little bit of it, a tablespoon or so, if it does not burn your throat and make your tongue a little fuzzy, then chances are it's not one of the good ones. But if it does burn your throat, makes your tongue a little fuzzy, it is rich in polyphenols, antioxidants. I love olive oil. It is the best. It is my favorite cooking oil, and I am an olive oil snob. (laughs) So I get mine delivered from me from the Fresh Pressed Olive Oil Club. If you want to learn more and get your first bottle delivered for a dollar, head over to ketocampoliveoil.com. That's www.ketocampoliveoil.com, and you could get this special offer for Keto Camp Podcast listeners. And if you have not subscribed to this podcast yet, hit that subscribe button real quick. We release three brand new episodes of the Keto Camp Podcast every week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. This is the exclusive podcast for all things keto, fasting, performance, and longevity. So let's get into this episode with Dr. Brett Schur. Cardiovascular disease is the number one killer for men and women, right? We hear all these statistics. A third of Americans die from cardiovascular disease. 92 million Americans are living with cardiovascular disease. Every 34 seconds, someone has a heart attack. It's enormous costs. But here's the real statistic. Here's the real statistic. 50 to 80% of heart attacks are preventable. And it's been this way for decades. It's not like cardiovascular disease just popped up as the number one killer or just popped up as our biggest concern. It's been like that for decades with 50 to 80% preventable. So what does that mean? 
Well, it means we're doing something wrong. If we're not preventing this, if we're not changing this, we are doing something wrong. By getting people to quit smoking and by having better angioplasty and stenting, we were able to decrease the mortality from cardiovascular disease, but now it's starting to go right back up again. And even with decreasing it, it's remained the number one killer. Now, this harkens to what Walter Cronkite said, that America's healthcare system is neither healthy, caring, nor a system. And he didn't just say this yesterday. He said this years ago, and unfortunately, it applies more today than it ever has. And all you have to do is look at a graph like this. You have to look at a graph like this to see here in 1977. That's when the dietary guidelines were put into place. And this is what happened to diabetes. It's the same curve for obesity. It's the same curve for the majority of our chronic diseases. This is under the watchful guidance of this quote unquote healthcare system trying to make us healthier. So at its best, our healthcare system failed to prevent this disease epidemic. At its worst, it was probably contributing to it. And this is under the system that's supposed to do the opposite. So clearly something's not working here. Now, drugs don't fix the problem, right? And that's a big problem with our system because our system is so drug focused. 60% of Americans take at least one prescription drug. 15% take more than five and our health and our life expectancy to continue to decline. So we have to change the way we think. Our whole healthcare system has to change our paradigm. So let me tell you a story about this. I saw a patient of mine, this was about six or seven years ago now, and he's a 53-year-old gentleman, CEO of his own company. He's got a wife and three kids. He was you know, an athlete in college, but now he's the kind of guy who has trouble tying his shoes because his gut's starting to get in the way. And he's, he's got high blood pressure, he has high cholesterol, and he sees me in my office, and I'm checking his numbers to see how his blood pressure and his cholesterol are doing, see how he's doing on his, on his medications. And near the end of our visit, he says, you know, doc, I'm just so confused. I'm, I'm trying everything to do, to live right. I'm trying to count my calories and reduce my fat, and I'm just not getting any better. And I looked at him and I said, look, Steve, I, I know, I get it. It's hard sometimes. You just have to try harder, All right? You have to try harder because this is what we're taught. This is what the clear message is. You have to reduce your fat, exercise more, and reduce your calories, and that's the path to health, and you have to try harder. What was I telling him? I was telling him, this is your fault, Steve. I didn't say those words. That's not what I meant, but that's in essence what I was telling him. And the reason why this particular story sticks with me, because two weeks later, I get a call from the emergency room, and I'll never forget that phone call as he's rolling into the ER in the midst of a heart attack. Now, luckily, he turned out fine. He got a stent. He's doing well. But at this moment, when you see his angiogram that looks similar to this, you can see a big bite right there out of his LAD affecting this whole territory of his heart. This is what's termed the widowmaker, right? The scary term where a lot of people don't survive. 30% of the people with this don't survive. Luckily, he did. But that conversation rang into my brain as I'm looking in his eyes and his wife's eyes and see the fear in their eyes of having the heart attack. And it was an awakening that, that I'm doing something wrong, that this can be prevented. 50 to 80% of these can be prevented, and I wasn't helping the process. And here's the problem. This is why it's so hard. Only 12% of Americans are metabolically healthy. Only 3% of Americans follow a healthy lifestyle. And why is that? Why is that? Because the eat less, move more, reduce fat, 
doesn't work. That message doesn't work. It's been a failed experiment for 50 years. It's time for us to acknowledge this failed experiment and move on because the science doesn't back this up. And we've heard all the benefits of low-carb lifestyle. Throughout this weekend, we've heard all the benefits, reducing hunger, reducing blood sugar swings, uh, better weight loss, reversing diabetes, right? It it's, seems almost too good to be true. And other potential benefits of Alzheimer's and cancer, mental health disorders, and reducing cardiovascular risk, right? All of these, but what's the response of our medicine, our medical world? What about that fat, the fear of the fat? Well, what about it, right? What about the evidence that has put us down this road? Then you get quotes like this on Twitter. Dr. Kim Williams, former president of the American College of Cardiology. There are two kinds of cardiologists, vegans and those who have not read the data. Well, you can imagine my reaction to that, right? I used to have a full head of hair before I read that quote, and this was, oh my God. But that's what we're up against, right? We're up against messages like that that are so clear cut and, and so easy to share, a great soundbite. And when you see a prominent cardiologist say that, okay, you gotta believe it, right? We have to be vegan. Well, here's my response. There are two types of people. Those who can understand the quality of evidence and interpret it in context, and those who prefer the flashy soundbite. So what, <laughs> thank you. What I want to do is sort of dissect that evidence with you a little bit to show you how it's built on a house of cards, really, and how the, the strength of the recommendation is not backed up by the strength of the evidence. And that's something we lose sight of all the time in medicine. And that's something I want all of you here to recognize and maybe help your doctor recognize because we need to start treating or teaching the medical community from the ground up that this is the key, understanding the quality of evidence and putting it in context. So when we talk about evidence, we talk about epidemiological studies, where you just follow a population, see who gets disease, who doesn't, who lives, who dies, and crunch the data. Does not prove causation, and this gets us into a lot of trouble because it's a weak quality of evidence. Then there are the randomized trials, which are known more as the gold standard, but still they only apply to the populations included in the randomized trials, and we have to recognize that as well. If there are outlying populations not included, we need to recognize that. And then there's the surrogate markers versus clinical endpoints. Clinical endpoint trials that measure heart attacks and strokes and death are expensive and difficult to do, so the majority of the trials look at surrogate endpoints. But what is the right surrogate endpoint? And as we've heard from Ivers talk, LDL, 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 LDL has been this big surrogate endpoint. But is it the best to be following? So these are the things I want to explore here. So first, the evidence against saturated fat. All started with Ansel Keys way back in the 50s. <laughs> we just went through um, uh, Purim a little while ago in, in the, in the uh, Jewish religion, and every time Haman's word, the name Haman comes up, people shake noise machines and say boo. So I guess Ansel Keys is the, is the uh, low-carb equivalent of Haman. So I never thought of that before. All right, so anyway. So this was the observational study, right? He just, all he did was he compared people living in the island of Crete who were outside all day, working all day, eating local foods, and compared them to industrialized nations where someone's sitting all day, inside all day, eating food that's definitely not local, but said, oh, it must be the saturated fat that makes the difference between their, their life expectancy, their cardiovascular outcomes. Well, you can't make that conclusion. 
So I wish we could say, all right, well, that was in the 50s and then in the 60s and 70s. We've learned our lesson, right? We know better now that we can't rely on that kind of data. Well, here's a study from just 2018. Same thing, observational trial showing that um, carb low carbohydrate intake is associated with increased mortality. Or another one from 2010, low carbohydrate diets increase uh, cardiovascular mortality. Well, in these studies, the people who are eating low carbohydrate had a higher body mass index, were more likely to smoke, more, more likely to be less physically active. And how many other unhealthy activities did they have that we can't measure or control for in these studies? This is not quality of evidence to base data, on, to base recommendations on to say saturated fat is dangerous. But the question is, do we have other evidence? So, oh, and this is another example of what we're up against. This one I like because I'll, I'll um, zoom up on the conclusions. So this is a scientific peer-reviewed study that was published with this wording. So I wanna show alteration of dietary fat had small effects on total mortality with a rate of 0.98. That meant overall a 2% reduction. But here's the thing, the confidence interval crosses one. So anytime a cro an inter confidence interval crosses one, it is scientifically null study, right? It is proven to not have an effect. But how did they word it? It had a small effect on total mortality. This was published in a journal where the correct scientific terms is it had no effect on mortality. But this was published, okay? Cardiovascular mortality was reduced by 9%. Oops, crossed one. So the proper wording, there was no effect on cardiovascular mortality. But yet this is what we're up against. The bias in the journals and the media allow this to be published in a scientific study. And there's other evidence out there. So here's another study. The present system, systematic review provides no evidence for the beneficial effects of reduced or modified fat diets in the secondary prevention of coronary heart disease. These are patients who already had heart disease and they were followed to see if reducing saturated fat had any benefit. And this study concluded it was not, that it did not have a benefit. Yet we don't hear about studies like this because it goes against the bias of contemporary medicine, right? And it's not a one-off. Here's another one. Saturated fats are not associated with all-cause mortality, cardiovascular disease, coronary heart disease, ischemic stroke, or type 2 diabetes. Now, again, it's observational data, but observational data proving the opposite of what other observational data has proven is very powerful because it tells us, wait a second, we need to look at the strength of the evidence, and that's not what is talked about enough. All right, so... That was saturated fats, but now what about the evidence in favor of being vegan or vegetarian, right? Dr. Williams said there are two types of cardiologists, vegans and those who haven't read the evidence. Well, let's dissect that. What is the evidence in favor of being vegan or vegetarian? So this is Dr. Ornish's study back in the 90s, which hasn't been really replicated, so it makes you wonder why. But this was an intensive lifestyle change program, and I trained in a preventive cardiology fellowship that used a program like this, where there was, sure, a 10% fat, whole foods, vegetarian diet, but also exercise, stress management, smoking sensation, group psychological support for five years. Well, if you get anybody to start exercising, practice stress management, stop smoking, have more of a meaningful connection to people, you're going to improve their health. Now, diet was one part of this, but how do we see this study promoted the most? That it proved that a low-fat diet reversed heart disease. 
This is not how the study was, was um, the, the study does not support that statement. You could say that the diet was part of a multifactorial intervention, right? But that's it. Now, also, how did they measure cardiovascular regression? By a test that has a wide, variety, wide variability in terms of the confidence interval, right? They measured the plaque stenosis, which has a huge margin of error. So it actually, in today's world, wouldn't even be significant for measuring regression. But this is sort of their, their big gun of what they point to. And then there was another one, uh, Dr. Esselstein. So 22 patients, small cohort, uncontrolled, no control group, and they were given cholesterol-lowering drugs and put on a diet and put on a comprehensive lifestyle program. And again, people point to saying this proves the diet reverses heart disease. Again, the quality of the evidence doesn't match the recommendation. I told you that episode was going to be enlightening. I, I really hope that provided some clarity for you and it cleared up a lot of the confusion out there. I myself, who was a former vegan several years ago, strict vegan for a year and a half, I was confused by all the data by reading the China study and I didn't know how to decipher these studies until I really started getting into this stuff. So this a video like this would have been so helpful for me back then and it still is for me today. So I hope it was the same for you. Make sure you watch the full lecture. This is from Keto Salt Lake 2019 on the Keto Chow YouTube channel. I will put a link for this entire lecture by Brett Schur in the podcast notes. Go give it a listen. Go check out Dr. Brett Schur. Subscribe to his podcast, The Diet Doctor Podcast, and head over to his website, dietdoctor.com. I will put a link for all of that in the notes. Also, Low Carb Cardiologist is his website. So I'll put a link for all of that in the notes. Make sure you go check it out. He also goes into the Blue Zone studies. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, those are the regions across the world that have the longest or the most centenarians, the people who live the longest. And he breaks down a lot of the flaws with the mainstream advice around the Blue Zone. So you go watch that lecture. It is great. You'll get so much value from it. If this episode was valuable for you, please leave the show a rating and a review on iTunes. It really, really makes a big difference for the show to get this message out there. Screenshot this episode, post it on your Instagram story or your Instagram profile and tag me in it and I will be sure to reshare that on my Instagram story. My Instagram handle is at thebenazadi, T-H-E-B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I. And you could go ahead and tag me in it and also use the hashtag KetoCamp. If you're not subscribed to the KetoCamp YouTube channel, go ahead to youtube.com slash KetoCamp. Every week we release five brand new videos on that channel. And lastly, go get the Keto Kickstart Guide, which is a 12-page ebook. It is 100% free over at www.ketokickstartguide.com. It'll teach you four ways to burn fat instead of sugar. I want to thank you so much for listening to this entire episode through. You will hear me on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. 
This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.